How you guys doing? Awesome. My name is uh, Brandon. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm so glad you guys are, are with us this week as we continue the series we've been in called El Nombre. And I realize it's a, an incredibly white way to say that, but uh, that's all I got. Okay. Um, last week or the first week, actually, Clayton talked about Elohim, a name for God, Elohim. And it, he talked about him being the creator, like he created everything in existence. He existed even from the beginning in community, in the Trinity, and he's the God above all, above all gods. And then last week, Elroy, uh, not Elroy, that's your redneck neighbor, okay? This is Elroy, it counts how you say it, uh, the God who sees me. And we're talking about just learning the names of God so we can get a better look into the character of God and so that hopefully we can relate to him better. We can learn more about him. It can help our relationship with him grow. This week, I'm talking about this, Jehovah-Rohi, that's the Lord is my shepherd. And in Hebrews chapter 13, Paul says it like this, that God is the great shepherd of the sheep. I love that. So God is the shepherd, so we are the sheep, which <laughs> I don't know about you, but you think about sheep, that's not a very awesome animal to be compared to, right? Like, why couldn't we be compared to something a little more epic, you know, like at least a ram, right? Or maybe a bull, a grizzly bear, a lion. How about a falcon, right? Now, I know that's not a falcon, that's an owl, but the picture is just too awesome uh, not to use. Um, but I don't know, sheep isn't that bad, it could be worse, right? We could be compared to what we act like most of the time, right? Uh, sheep... Are just, they're just stupid, okay? And so we're compared to sheep, and, and to get ready for this sermon, I did a lot of studying about sheep and shepherds, and so I thought we'd kind of loosen up tonight uh, with me giving you some sheep facts, okay? So here we go. First of all, like sheep, shepherds, that combination, it's mentioned 247 times in the Bible. Uh, there are over a billion sheep in the world. There are 900 different breeds of sheep. Um, this is weird. Sheep have best friends. Who would have thought, right? Like, I don't know how they surveyed that or how they found that out, but they have uh, best friends. Um, they have an incredible long-term memory. Like, they can remember up to 50 human faces, and they can even read uh, the expressions on our face. That's kind of cool. So every year they get sheared, right? And one year of growth, of growth, they can produce eight pounds of wool. And that wool can be spun into a thread that's over 125 miles long. It's kind of neat. But because of the wool, if they get into water, they're pretty much dead, right? Because the, the wool soaks up the water and they drown. Uh, they have bad eyesight, excellent hearing. The sound a female sheep uh, makes is called a, a bleating, with a T, bleating. And her offspring can identify its mother just by the sound she makes. Um, this is funny. Sheep can't right themselves. Like if they fall and end up on their back, they can't get up. Like they eventually die from being on their back. That's weird, right? Like, I fall and I can't get up kind of thing. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, here, here's another good thing. If you're into tennis, um, what do you think is used to make tennis rackets, like the string? <laughs> I don't want to hear any guesses. Uh, I'll just tell you. You need the small intestines from 11 sheep to make a tennis racket. How cool is that, right? And my favorite one of all, a castrated male sheep... A castrated male sheep is called a weather. Like whether it's a boy or girl, it doesn't really matter now, you know? 
So basically, sheep, sheep are dumb. Uh, they have good hearing, right? But other than that, they're really good at just a few things. They're good at drowning. Uh, they're good at being defenseless and just completely and utterly dependent on the shepherd. Like sheep, in order to survive, they need a shepherd. We need a shepherd. We need the, the, the good shepherd in our lives to protect us, to help us through life. And so we're going to look at a couple of things that our good shepherd does for us. Let's take a look. The Lord, our shepherd, first of all, he protects us, right? We've learned that sheep are dumb. Uh, they tend to, to wander away from the, 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 the flock and they kind of get into trouble and they need the, the, the shepherd to protect them. Uh, they're completely and utterly defenseless. They're vulnerable. Uh, they can't fight back. Like if, if they get attacked by a predator, they're just dead, right? Because they can't outrun it. They can't fight back. They just panic. They're very emotional animals. I learned that too. They panic and they just get eaten like it's pretty much over. So they need the shepherd to protect them. How does God protect us? Let's, let's think about this for a second. What are some ways that God protects us? I'll give you some practical ones to start with. First of all, he protects us by telling us how to keep from hurting ourselves. He protects us by telling us how to keep from hurting ourselves. Um, a lot of stuff happens to us in our lives. Like we go through stuff. And if we're being honest, a lot of the stuff we go through is a, a direct result of just our own stupidity, right? Like we make bad decisions and we have to deal with the consequences. And so God, in, in his word and in his wisdom, he gives us guardrails for our lives to keep us from, from crashing. He knows what's best for us. He knows how to keep us out of trouble. He knows how to keep us from being hurt. And so he gives us some guidelines in his word to keep that from happening, just like you would kids. He gives us guardrails. Now, I was um, driving to Dallas last week, and uh, there was some construction, and I saw this sign that said, like a danger sign, like guardrail damage ahead. And I started thinking about that. Like, they're telling you there's an overpass coming, right? Overpasses have guardrails. Why? So you don't accidentally run off and crash and die. And so there was damage to this when they were letting you know that. Have you ever been on like a windy, steep mountain road where there's no guardrails? It is terrifying. Um, Clayton talked earlier <laughs> about our missions partner in Chiapas, Mexico, Greg McClanahan. Now, I've spent some time there a few different times, and there's this, you know, their mission center is up on this mountain in San Cristobal, and all the way down the mountain is the, the place we fly into. Is the, it's called Tuxla. It's the capital city of Chiapas. And there's this new toll road that goes kind of straight up the mountain, like through the clouds. I mean, it's, it's beautiful. But it, it's a nice, wide road that kind of gets you there quick. Um, they didn't always have that road. In fact, sometimes that road's getting worked on or they're like militant groups that take over the road and don't let you go through sometimes. And that happened to us once. So we had to go use the old road. The old road is this narrow, like gravelly, not even two lane, really, windy road up this mountain with, I mean, sheer drop-offs on the side. And, and we're in this 15-passenger van just completely loaded. And Greg's telling us stories like, Oh, and here, you see those crosses? That's where the bus went over and everyone died. You know, and you're like, oh my gosh, like get me out of this place, man. We, we need, guardrails are important, okay? In our lives, guardrails are important and God gives them 
to us. And we think a lot of times as Christians, like it's all about rules, right? You can't do this if you're a Christian, you can't do that and you can't say that and you definitely can't do that. It's a lot of rules to keep us from having fun, right? But in reality, it's, it's ways that God is designed to keep us from being hurt. Last time I checked, you know, not being hurt is a lot more fun than being hurt. Think about when you were a kid. Sheep are stupid, right? Kids are stupid too. I don't know if you knew that. I can say that because I'm a parent, but they're, uh, they're dumb. And when you were a kid, you were stupid. Uh, we, we all are born that way until we learn some things. Your parents gave you rules, right? Like don't just run across the street. You got to look both ways first, right? Don't touch that. It's hot. Um, I remember like one of my earliest childhood memories, I had to have been like four because I remember I was like eye level with this countertop in, in the bathroom, but I'd been told don't touch the curling iron. Now, I shared a bathroom with two older sisters, and so I was looking at this curling iron, and I was like thinking, I guess, like I wonder if it's really hot, right? And so what did I do? I touched Well, I didn't just touch it. Like I grabbed the metal end of it and held it. Like you know that, that hot, that it's so hot you can't really tell it's hot at first? It was like one of those, man, and it just fried my hand. But see, I learned a valuable lesson that day. Don't share a bathroom with girls, okay? <laughs> girls are gross, okay. <laughs> uh, but I learned, I learned don't touch hot stuff, okay? So God does the same thing for us. He doesn't want us to get hurt. It hurts God when we get hurt. He doesn't want to see us hurt. He's a, he's a good father, and he wants to keep us safe. Next, he protects us by giving us his peace in the midst of chaos. We go through chaotic things. Back to sheep and shepherd. The, the shepherds, sheep are, are incredibly uh, just emotional animals, and they panic, right? But get this. I read that the, the voice of the shepherd, just hearing his voice, brings them down a little bit emotionally. It brings them comfort and, and security. That's cool, right? Because they know, this, hey, the shepherd's here. I don't have to freak out. And in our lives, man, we get emotional. Our, our lives seem out of control. We overreact to things. But here, here's the thing. If you're a Christian, if you're a Christ follower, like, God is with you, right? He's the good shepherd. And he's not just with you. He's not just in front of you or beside you or whatever. Like, he is in you. The Spirit of God, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, if, you believe, if you're a Christ follower, His Spirit is inside of you. Now, I don't know about you, but that should change the way we walk through life and how we react to things that happen to us. That should bring that freak-out meter down just a little bit. The best example of this that I can find in the Bible is with David. Now, David, you remember King David, you know, before he was a king, Clayton talked about this last week, I think, but he was a shepherd, he knew about being a shepherd. He knew about sheep. And he finds himself, you know, on this battlefield with Saul and his army. They're all there. And you have the Philistines, right? And Goliath was there. You remember the story, David and Goliath? And this huge giant out there, like, taunting them and like, come on, fight me or whatever. And all the warriors are, are scared out of their mind. And here's David, the little shepherd boy, is like, I'll give it a shot. You know, <laughs> like, I'll, I'll take him on. And Saul's like, I don't think so. He'll just, like stomp you, you know, because he's, he's like nine or 10 feet tall. And here's David's response. But David persisted. 
I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. Well, that makes you qualified to fight a giant, right? He says, when a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I've done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Like, how amazing is that? I would love to see that in a movie. Man, that, that is killer. Why? Because David wasn't scared, not because he knew how to kill a giant. He wasn't afraid because God had done it before, and he would do it again. He knew that God was with him. Any of you guys into MMA? Like three guys, cool. <laughs> MMA? Like, have you ever thought, like, maybe this is a guy way to think, but I've always thought, what would it be like to be one of those guys that's just like a trained killer, you know what I'm saying? Like, and just to walk into Walmart or something and know, like, no matter where you went, like, I could take whatever comes, you know, like, I would walk a little taller, you know, a little more confidently because I knew I could handle myself, you know. I have a friend named uh, John Gomez. He's not an MMA fighter. Uh, he is a retired detective from the police department here. And, man, he has seen some stuff. He's been through a lot of stuff. He's been trained in a lot of different ways. He's, he's handled a lot of difficult situations. And anytime I'm with John, I just have a different level of confidence, like, I know whatever it is, he can handle it. There was one time we were in, in Walmart together. And of course, um, as would happen in Walmart, there was like a domestic disturbance that broke out right there at the cash register. And there was this guy like screaming at this woman, I was assuming it was his wife or, or girlfriend or something, to the point where we were like, we're, I'm about to get involved in this, right? And you know it's just not going to go well. And I was nervous, but then John was there. And I was like, you know what? He can handle this. Like, whatever happens, he's going to handle it, and I'm with John. Because, again, he knows what to do, right? He's been there before, and plus he has a gun, so that helps too. <laughs> it makes you feel a little more, a little more comfortable. But, guys, God is, God is with you. He's with you. Wherever you go, you're not alone. You know what this key is? It's not the key to my house. It's not the key to my heart. Those are all funny things that people like to ask. Uh, it actually says on it, fearless. Because it's a reminder to me, like it's, I wear it when I speak to people because it's, it's a scary thing, right? And it reminds me, I don't have to be afraid. God is with me. And he's with you too. So he protects us. Next, he leads us. He leads us. See, the sheep know the shepherd. They know his face. They know his voice. They'll follow him anywhere, and they won't follow anywhere, anyone else because they, they know the shepherd and they're comfortable with him. John chapter 10, this is Jesus talking. He said, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, speaking of the shepherd, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because what? They know his voice. They follow him because they know his voice. Do you know his voice? 
Do you know God's voice? Can you recognize his voice when he, when he speaks to you? Does he even speak to you? See, I know the answer to that question. He absolutely speaks to you. Again, if you're a Christ follower, the Holy Spirit is in you. He is constantly speaking to you. He is constantly leading you. But do you hear it? Can you pick it out over the noise? Do you recognize it? How does that even work? See, we, we kind of understand when, when God speaks to us in other ways, like Henry Blackaby's uh, devotional, Experiencing God it talks about God speaks to us through his word, right? We can read the Bible and kind of discern, like, hey, God's maybe saying this to me. He speaks to us through other people. Maybe people have a word for us, and that's, that's kind of easy for us. Through our circumstances, maybe things happen to us, and that kind of lets us know, man, God may be leading me in this direction. But, but what about the fourth one? What about through the Holy Spirit? How does that work? I mean, you've been there, right? Like, I've been sitting and listening to preachers and <laughs> They, they talk about God speaking to them, and it's like this big theatric production, right? Like something you would see in a movie. Like it sounds like the clouds parted, and this beam of light came down, and this thundering voice, and God said unto me, and whatever. And I sit there, and I'm like, wow. I'm like this dude is something special. And see, the sad thing is I think preachers, teachers, people that, that, that teach us about God, like they do us a disservice when they paint their relationship with God that way. Because for me, I can tell you that's not the way it is. I've never heard God speak audibly to me, like with my ears. Now, I'm not saying he doesn't do that. I've heard of it happening, but it's never happened for me. I know that pe some people hear from God more easily than others, more clearly, more often maybe than others. But that comes through Repetition, right? There's nothing more special about them than you. He's speaking to you constantly. And people ask me, like, how do you know? How do you know for sure when God is talking to you? And my honest answer is most of the time, I don't. Like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's him. But my mom gave, my mom gave me a, a piece of advice years ago when it comes to uh, hearing from God. She said, you know, if you have a thought that enters your head, an idea or something, and it's kind of contrary to what you'd normally think, like it sticks out and it kind of catches your attention, you might pay attention to that. That could be God talking to you. Now, it's also going to be in line with God's character, right? Like, you know, like, how do you know it's, it's God talking to me and not me talking to me or not like the burrito I ate, like the awesome burritos backing up on me or something and making me think crazy, um, God's not going to tell you to do something that's out of line with his character. He's not going to tell you to kill somebody, okay? That's probably the burrito. He, he's he's going to, but when you, ha, when you have that thought that kind of hits you sideways and you're like, wow, that's weird, man, pay attention to it. It might be God speaking to you. So let me explain how this works for me. Uh, Clayton talked about the city church that, that we just started. Um, that was a slow process for me. I wasn't sure God was leading me to do that. Uh, I, I worked at Experience Life for, for 10 years. I was one of the ones that helped start that church, and I worked a little over 10 years. But by January of this year, I just it became clear to me, like, I was just tired, like I needed a break. Um, I had gone as far as I could go, and I just needed a break from ministry. I needed to relax, spend some time with my family, do something else for a while. I didn't know how long I would be out of ministry. I didn't know what was next for me, uh, so I quit. 
I started doing remodels full-time construction. And it was, it was a, gr- a great change of pace. I was enjoying it. And people would ask me, man, are you going to get hired in another church? Are you going to start another church? And honestly, what I would tell them is like the thought of starting over and do, you know, starting a church from scratch again makes me want to throw up because it's just difficult work, you know, and I didn't know if I wanted to do it. Well, then I started having this like nagging thought like, man, maybe God's leading me to do something, start something new. But I wasn't sure, right? I still didn't want to. Well, then my mom uh, had a, a word for me that she felt like God was trying to, to give me. And it was all about leading and about casting vision and doing something new. And I was like, okay, so that can mean a lot of different things, right? So maybe it's not starting a church, but it started to kind of take shape a little bit. And then I prayed and I talked to some people. I talked with my family, talked with my wife. And then I had a dream. I mean, crazy vivid dream. Um, I was floating and there was like this, this uh, handkerchief or something in my mouth. And I touched this book that I think was the Bible and this hand came in. It was, <laughs> it freaked me out so much. I woke up and I was like, that wasn't a normal dream. It could have been the burrito, I guess. But I, I got the phone out and I recorded it and I prayed about it. And it just another piece of the puzzle. And I kept taking steps and I kept walking forward. And then Mark tells me, that Clayton's been talking about starting something new. And so I get with Clayton, and we talk for a few hours. And, man, what, what is God wanting to do here? And slowly but surely, it kind of came together where I was sure that God was leading me there. He didn't speak to me in some thunderbolt of lightning. You know, it was like it was a slow, quiet process where I walked in obedience as best I could, and I wasn't sure until I was sure, and then I obeyed. He's speaking to you. That's what our lives as Christians should look like. We get something, and we at least have to ask the question, right? God, is, are you saying something to me? And you keep it in your mind. You take some steps. You pray. You wait. There's some kind of confirmation. You pray. And you take a step. And slowly but surely, step by step, you learn to hear the voice of God. Slowly but surely, you're... Your trust in him grows. Your relationship with him grows. He's speaking to you. He's trying to lead you. Where is he trying to take you? Man, guys, God has incredible plans for you. Incredible plans for you. And you think, well, no, not me. You know, I'm, my, my, you know, I'm going to go this way or whatever. No, God has plans for you that are beyond anything you could even imagine. And he's, tr- he's trying to lead you there like, like the good shepherd will. And he's whispering to you and he's leading you and he's drawing you. And the question is, are you hearing him? In Psalm 95, it gives us a warning. It says, today when you hear his voice, not if you hear his voice, today when you hear his voice, Do not harden your hearts. I've been there, man. There's a lot of us that we've we've turned away from him for so long. We've ignored his voice for so long. We've walked in our own path for so long. Our hearts get hard. And our ears get deaf to, to his voice, and we can't hear him anymore. I think tonight, there's some of us that need to just stop and turn around and ask God to speak to us again. God, soften my heart, open my ears. There's a song by Tyler Farr. He's a, 
country music artist, and he has a song called, I Should Go to Church Sometime. And in it, he talks about how he should go to church sometime and how he should dust off his Bible more than once or twice a year. And there's a line in the chorus that says, Lord knows I could use some light to get where I'm going. You guys are on this precipice of all these decisions that you have to make, like huge life-altering decisions about majors and jobs and relationships and marriage, maybe kids one day, like that's all out in front of you. Do you really want to walk through that completely blind? Lord knows you could use some light to get where you're going. Let God lead you. He has a plan for you and he has a purpose for you. And he tells us in his word, it's not to harm you, but to prosper you. It's to give you hope and a future. To listen to him, he's he's speaking to you. And lastly, he rescues us. He protects us, he leads us, and he rescues us. Remember the sheep, they're dumb. (laughs) They wander off. Sometimes they get separated from the flock. Sometimes they need rescue. And what the shepherd does is amazing. Like he goes after it to the point of risking his own life to save it. You're like, why would someone risk their life to save a sheep or a lamb or whatever? Well, see, that sheep is their livelihood. It was likely bought at a a great price. And he protects it with his life. You remember David and Goliath. David fought off bears and lions, risking his life for the lamb. Jesus did the same thing for us, except he didn't just risk his life. He laid down his life. Back to John chapter 10. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He'll abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know me just as my father knows me and I know the father. Catch this. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. He sacrificed his life for his sheep. That's for you and me. He laid down his life. We're in need of rescue. We wander off. We have an enemy, a predator that's after us. Where it tells us he's like a lion looking for someone to devour. And Jesus went after us. He laid down his life for us. And see, what blows my mind about the gospel, it's easy to think of it like, Jesus died for all of us, right? All of mankind. But see, it's more personal than that. He died for you. He died for me. See, he knows the name, the names of his sheep. He calls them by name. He he knew you before time began. See, God's, God's timeless. He's eternal. He existed before there was anything. He's here now. He's here in the future. Before time began, he knew you. 
He knew everything that you've ever done. He knew the times that you walked away from him in your past. He knows what the mistakes that you made today. He knows what you're going to do tomorrow, the rest of your life. He knew it all. And he still chose to lay down his life for you. Why? Because you're his prized possession. You were bought with a price. He loves you. He died for you. He died for me. That's so crazy to me. Like he, he cares about me out of all the billions of people in the world. He goes after the one, Matthew 18. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others on the hills and go out to search for the one that is lost? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he will rejoice over it more than over the 99 that didn't wander away. He cares about the one. He goes after the one. He laid down his life for the one, for you. Are you wandering today? Have you wandered off? Have you gone your own way? Can your life, spiritually speaking, can it be described as just a series of events happening that cause you to wonder, cause you to think you, you, know, you know best, you turn your back on God, you go your own way, you come back to him, you, you, you go your own way. Maybe you've never had a relationship with the good shepherd. Isaiah 53, 6, all of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Think about that. He didn't leave you. We, we walked away from him. We went our own way, and yet still, he laid on him the sins of us all. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm begging you tonight. If you don't have a relationship with him, all you got to do is turn around. He is pursuing you. He's pursued you your whole life. He's pursued you up until this moment on this night. All you got to do is turn around. Stop running. Accept the gift that he's offering you, that gift of grace, the definition of grace. We can't possibly earn it. And there's no way we deserve it, yet he gives it anyway. Man, start a relationship with him tonight. Put your faith in what Jesus did for us on the cross when he took our fine and laid his life down for the one. And then you can live a life where you're led step by step by step by the good shepherd. Man, he has such great plans for you. I want to finish tonight with probably the most famous verse about shepherds. And that's Psalm 23. We're going to put it on the screen. And I just want us all to read it together out loud. And I don't want you to read it like you're reading the, you know, the words of, of David, who, by the way, wrote this. Remember David? He knows something about sheep. He knows something about shepherds. But I want to read it as if it's our words to God, like from your lips to his ears. And let's read it together. The Lord is my shepherd. 
I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. That's beautiful. I'm going to close this out just by praying that scripture over us. And I want to invite you tonight, let God do what he wants to do in you. You already know what he's prompting you towards. You already know what he's asking of you. Just be open to him. Be open to him. Let's pray. Lord, hear our shepherd, the great shepherd. What else could we need? Thank you for letting us rest in green meadows, for giving us peace and rest in the craziness of life. You renew our strength when we feel like we can't go on. You guide us along right paths because you have amazing plans for our lives. You have plans to prosper us and to give us a hope and a future, all those so, so that we can be used by you to bring honor to your name. Even when we walk through the darkest valley, and God, we know we're gonna walk through the darkest of valleys, we will not be afraid because you're close beside us. You're with us. And better than that, you're inside us. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is literally inside us at this very moment. So what in the world do we have to fear? Your rod and your staff protect us. Your voice brings us comfort and security. You prepare a feast for us in the presence of our enemies. You've got our backs. You honor us by anointing our heads with oil. We are yours. You love us. You brought us at a price. We are your beloved, your chosen ones. Our cup overflows with blessings because you're such an incredibly generous and loving God who always knows what we need before we need it. Thank you, God, that your goodness and unfailing love pursues us. Thank you, God, for pursuing us even when we know we're gonna wander, even when we think we know better, even when we're stupid. God, thank you for pursuing us all of our days. And we know, God, that we will live in your house, in the house of Jehovah Rohi, the Lord, our great shepherd, forever and ever. Amen.